0: Something we've sort of touched on in a few series, if you've even mentioned these sorts of beings, but never something we've outright discussed. The topic of this series are tulpas, also known as emanation bodies or thought forms or all kinds of other things. Tulpas are a distinct form of psychic phenomena, constituting a mental creation which, through the force of the will and belief of a single or many persons, comes to have a life of its own. This is related to the concept of the astral projection of an individual, the psychical vessel which acts as a secondary motive force for the soul in which we involuntarily visit when we dream. However, whereas an astral projection is believed to be the spiritual matter of an individual person, who may sometimes gain control and ability to willingly utilize this form of being to do things like perform remote viewing, telepathic communication, or even meetings with other psychic beings, a Tulpa once created has a mind of its own. It is an imaginary friend turned real, a sort of meme gone amok with the ability to affect real world change. We're going to start off by looking at some examples of modern day Tulpa candidates, imaginary creations with such force that they appear real, and in some cases even have real sightings. And then we will dig deep into the history of the Tulpa, its concept and ideas, and the history behind the concept of the astral body. Now, Marie, I didn't think there was a better way to start this series than with a quote from one of my favorite philosophers. you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. Abraham Lincoln. Jake, roll the tape.
1: All right. I I also really like how you, you gave the premise that this is going to be weirder than our normal which is really kind of an abstraction in itself. Like we could do an, an entire episode on the spectrum of weirdness of what we've covered. <laughs> really. I mean and you're like this one's way out there and it's like okay, well is it weirder than the space elevator or more down to earth than time travel?
0: <laughs> this It's box, a weird one.
1: Smaller than a tulpa. Okay.
0: It's a really interesting it's a really interesting thing and one of the funniest things I think is The the list of uh, the list of different things that have been thought to be tulpas in the past are are just wacky. But even in the modern day, it's even crazier. Mm -hmm. Like one one thing that people probably have heard of are people creating tulpas from My Little Ponies. So the (laughs) the the My Little Pony fandom haven't heard of this. Yeah, people haven't heard of this. They They haven't. They do like serious like they uh, they try to create um, they try to create they they basically try to do mass not really hallucinatory but mass meditation i guess mm-hmm. to to lucid dream real they're my little pony friends, and that's, that's really weird. what we're talking about today. It's gonna get fucking weird. I told you, Marie
1: you know, I thought we were gonna maybe just go into bronie's. Well, it's so Sorry
0: funny. There's the article in the New York Times. It's in the opinion column where they talk about this happening. And this is from like 2010 mm-hmm. or something I don't know, 2013. Mm-hmm. It's called Conj- it. Conjuring Up Our Own Gods. And it's about My Little Pony.
1: And it's about My Little Ponies. Well, I think that that's really touching because I would like to think, you know, if there's superior beings out there, benevolent forces that, you know, they kind of, you know, My Little Pony is not a bad candidate.
0: It could be worse. It could be worse. All right. It so, could be worse. Now, obviously, we started off this episode with a great quote from, like I said, Abraham Lincoln. And it, com- it it's what gives us Pokemon. Right. Abraham Lincoln invented Pokemon. We all know that this is true. No, but really, though, uh, if you don't know what Pokemon yeah. are, they're a Just billion dollar video game, TV, movie, music, theme park And more than all of those other things, merchandising business that pumps out adorable creations like Pikachu, straight from the mind of Satoshi Tajiri.
1: It's the games of that billion dollars. I know that I have spent at least one of them. Oh God! Yeah, it's crazy invention.
0: It's so funny. So many of my earliest childhood memories are of collecting Pokemon stuff. You know, I I even remember before it became a before the games came out in America, they actually had before the games came out in America, they actually released the anime because it was already a thing in Japan. And so I remember getting the I remember getting the uh, like a like a toy of of like a knockoff Pikachu from like Chinatown or something. (laughs) Um. Like I remember that, I remember getting that and being like, "What the hell is this?" And Knock then Pikachu was my uh, college band. It's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So Aww. yeah, it's very interesting. So the um so the original idea behind Pokemon, like I said, came from Satoshi Tajiri. And it first really came to the forefront of American consciousness in the 1990s. And the first games that came out were called red and blue in America. They were red and green in Japan and they became like an overnight craze immediately. The point of the game is to catch Pokemon, right? The, the creatures mm-hmm. in the title in items called Pokeballs, which Pokeballs, they never really explain how it happens, but it's actually pretty yep. interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about it mm-hmm. cause I'm a huge nerd, and oh like God. all good video games, the point of the game is to beat your friends' pets into fainting.
1: Right. You don't die.
0: No, you just right? faint. But you're still beating you up faint. animals? It's kind of weird. So okay, why talk about Pokemon when it comes to Tulpas? Like why why talk about them at all? Well, it's in my mind that the two are really linked because my first introduction to the idea of a Tulpa, even came from forums online when I like as a weird kid was googling you know P- Pikachu real sighting in between like you know boobs and um, <laughs> I don't know whatever right becomes, becomes superpower Pikachu
1: real sighting yes <laughs>
0: um, so uh, uh, you know on online though like on um, the something awful forums on places like 4chan on the export and these other places people were claiming that like No, man, Pokemon are real and they're becoming they're not and they're not real in like the physical sense that like this guy went out there and caught Pokemon or found them or whatever. They're real in the sense that like there are millions of people at the Mm -hmm. height of their emotional rabidity, I guess I would say, (laughs) right? Millions of rabid Mm -hmm. kids, rabid kids Mm -hmm. pouring psychic energy and emotion into these things. And so of course they're real. Right? They're gaining mm-hmm. reality. They're they're gaining they're gaining psychic physicality.
1: And they're definitely yeah, like momentum, like sheer like if if like teenage or uh, you know, tween hormones had a had a had volume. Yeah, well, yeah. Now, for right? all, for a lot that, of our that listeners would add
0: up. For anyone who's for anyone who's kind of followed the show for a long time and knows a little bit about this kind of weirdness and stuff like that, you'll notice that, number one, these uh, the tulpas of Pokemon or these creations of psychic energy are linked often, oftentimes to fandoms of tween to teenaged kids. And you'll notice that in the history of, say, psychic phenomena, who are the ones that are usually linked to poltergeists? tweens, right? Mm. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's kids that are going through puberty and don't know what's going on. And, you know, the first time they have a boner, it's like, "Uh Oh ghost, you know, it's, that's what happens. (laughs) And part of that idea, (laughs) pants ghost. part of the idea behind this comes from theosophy. Now we're going to get into theosophy a little bit here. It is a, theosophy is a very interesting sort of esoteric occult movement. It was started by Helena Blavatsky and or kind of never really started. I mean, it was started by her, but then it was grown from that and everything else. But the basic idea is that there are essentially. uh, There are really no central beliefs or dogmas so much, but the idea is that humans have psychic Humans, human consciousness and nature around us has some kind of psychic resonance with each other. And so if we are able to to work towards that psychic power, we can actually do things like remote view and move objects and whatever. Now, you'll notice Blavatsky kind of said that, like, the most powerful people are white people. And then that led to some really not so great stuff with, like, Hitler. Mm. But the idea of theosophy kind of kept building and became sort of its own thing. And interestingly, where this led to was this this idea of what's called a thought form. The book that we're going to be taking a lot of the research, some some of the books, the authors that we're going to be taking a lot of research in for these episodes from are um, Annie Besant and uh, C.W. Ledbetter. So Charles Webster Ledbetter. And this this book, Thought Forms, published in 1901 in London. And basically what it says is it says that you are able to use color and light and art to represent objects that don't exist in reality, but do exist in the psychic place where thought occurs. Hmm. It's a little complicated. It gets a little bit weird. But if you think about mm-hmm. it, like if we think mm-hmm. about, say, uh, like Plat- platonic, um, platonic philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yep. what philosophers at the time of Plato and then the, the, the later philosophers often said was that there's kind of two parts to reality. There's the physical part. You know, this table in front mm-hmm. of me is a physical table. I can feel it. I can move it. I can whatever. But there's also a psychic ideal of a table there's a secondary world where i create things where i can travel i Mm -hmm. can make concepts i can think and so instead of kind of say today's view where we would say well thinking and physical reality are the same thing like we may not know the exact route but the materialist position would be your brain is just made of matter so you're just imagining other matter you have interactions with you know it's not this complicated let's say what others would say is that, no, there's there's a reality here to this psychic part of life, to this thought part of life, this part that's not physical, but is mental. Mm. And okay. so I'm, that's, I'm with with that's the idea that Theosophy kind of runs with with this, is that the idea that thoughts are things. Yeah, okay. so thoughts are real things. They're not just you know they're not just stuff that we kind of have sometimes. They are they are real things and thoughts with enough power can interact with and change the world around us.
1: Oh, okay, okay, Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, this feels a little turn of the century. This this, this is a little stuff. turn of the century. This, this is a what turn of the
0: century. It's nice. So so this is what thought forms. This is how the book starts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So quote. As knowledge increases, the attitude of science towards the things of the invisible world is undergoing considerable modification. Its attention is no longer directed solely to the Earth with all its variety of objects, or to the physical worlds around it, but it finds itself compelled to glance further afield, and to construct hypotheses as to the nature of the matter and force which lie in the regions beyond the ken of its instruments. Ether is now comfortably settled in the scientific kingdom, becoming almost more than a hypothesis— mesmerism under its new name of hypnotism is no longer an outcast reichenbach's experiments are still looked at askance but are not wholly condemned ronkin rays have rearranged some of the older ideas of matter while radium has revolutionized them and is leading science beyond the borderlands of ether into the astral world the boundaries between animate and inanimate matter are broken down Magnets are found to be possessed of almost uncanny powers, transferring certain forms of disease in a way not yet satisfactorily explained. Telepathy, clairvoyance, movement without contact, though not yet admitted to the scientific table, are approaching the Cinderella stage. The fact is that science has pressed its researches so far, has used such rare ingenuity in its questioning of nature, has shown such tireless patience in its investigations, that it is receiving the reward of those who seek and forces her being and beings of the next higher plane of nature are beginning to show themselves on the outer edge of the physical field. Nature makes no leaps, and as the physicist nears the confines of his kingdom, he finds himself bewildered by touches and gleams from another realm which interpenetrates his own. He finds himself compelled to speculate on invisible presences, if only to find a rational explanation for undoubted physical phenomena, and insensibly he slips over the boundary and is, although he does not yet realize it, contacting the astral plane. One of the most interesting of the high roads from the physical to the astral is that of the study of thought. The Western scientist, commencing in the anatomy and physiology of the brain, endeavors to make these the basis for a sound psychology. He passes then into the region of dreams, illusions, hallucinations. And as soon as he endeavors to elaborate an experimental science, which shall classify and arrange these, he inevitably plunges into the astral plane. Dr. Baradouk of Paris has nearly crossed the barrier and is well on the way towards photographing astro-mental images to obtaining pictures of what, from the materialist standpoint, would be the results of vibrations in the gray matter of the brain. End quote. Now. Mm. The idea it's here a lot to unpack, it's a lot to unpack, but the basic idea here, right? So again, remember when this is being written, this is being written mm-hmm. in 1901. Ah, Okay. At this time we had just really the idea. Like they talk about Ronkin rays. Those are x-rays. They talk about radium, right? So radiation and, right. and electro electromagnetism right. had just really been popularized to the public.
1: Right. Well, they, they talk, talk about, about ether. They, they talk about the voluminous first
0: ether, right? So what they're basically saying is that science is now finding that there are there are rays, there are energy sources that affect things seemingly at a distance that we couldn't explain before. Why not take the leap then to say, well, maybe psychic powers exist in that same realm? Mm -hmm. It's an argument you've heard probably a billion times if you listen to this kind of stuff. But this is really like the first time that it's put out there so in such black and white. And the reasoning that they can put it out there in this case is because of what they said here, Dr. Baraduke and others, right? So at the time, what people were doing was they would have people focus on a type of like an image or a thought or whatever, and then they would describe to artists near them what they saw in their mind's eye. Ooh. That is what a thought form is. And it actually, like, we think of it as funny and kind of silly and whatever. The book Thought Forms, it's con- it's considered a early work in kind of postmodern art, right? Like conceptual yeah. art, in art that doesn't mm-hmm. represent the world as such, but instead tries to represent our feelings. And if you look right. at the book, if you look at some of the images... You'll notice that a lot of these are are things that, again, art has taken into the world today, right? So the idea of like colors having specific emotions tied to them and right. Um, right. shape having meaning and the placement of shape and things like that. And then not, again, being about it, not being about how you represent the world, but how an image makes you feel. That's what's more important.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like a Western I mean this is sort of hackneyed but a good comparison is like feng shui.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting the right, idea manipulating of
1: manipulating some kind of energy that is not again is more of like thought form in how you interact with it.
0: Absolutely. So the the idea of a thought form then it it, it has kind of three uh three classes or three principles. The three principles are um and this is again based on the production of all thought forms. The three principles for the production of all thought forms are: 1. quality of thought determines color, nature of thought determines form, and the definiteness of a thought determines the clearness of the outline. And so again, what they're talking about is being able to like see your um being able to see your you're almost like your your not your astral your projection, aura. but your aura, exactly. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> And so what this guy tried to do, right? So the guy that, the guy that they talked about, uh, his name is Hippolyte Baraduke. So, so what he was trying to do basically was he claimed that he had been able to take images of the vital force and thoughts of people. And so if you look at some of his images, these are like the famous images of, say, like someone who's um, dying will have like a white uh, cloud kind of like moving out of their body or whatever, Mm-hmm. right so basically what this guy was doing was he was taking bad images uh <laughs> he was taking like bad, bad photographs
1: moving when he was yeah. taking the photos
0: yeah yeah you know he was taking like um what's the word so what basically what he was doing was he was taking photographs in a way like not like a normal camera does today but by using um using like luminescent plates right mm-hmm. and claiming that the by mm-hmm. by lighting up certain areas of the of the body or the room you could get different images and different kind of thought form patterns and things like that you know so it's very yeah, like you very interesting
1: impose, you could imp- impose an image into them
0: yeah exactly kind of
1: with your with your mind yes
0: okay. yeah so that was kind of the idea yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right now mm-hmm. um what was going on with I'm waiting for the pokemon so I know, I know, I know. <laughs> We're joking. getting crazy here, right? Um, <laughs> no, it's
1: good.
0: Basically what he was doing was he was taking long form photographs or long um, exposure photographs. Yeah. Um, so yes. it's kind of, it's it's interesting and sort of, again, a very interesting way of taking um, photos and another way of kind of representing the world around us, but not necessarily representing them in the way that we we think of every day. Yeah. Yeah. So... What the idea then here was um, with these thought forms, right? So that those are the three principles, for the production of thought forms. Now, the cases or the classes are the following. That which takes the image of the thinker. That which takes the image of some material object. And that which takes a form entirely its own, expressing its inherent qualities in the matter which it draws around it. Now, this one is interesting. The last two, so the first one is kind of how we get to the idea of, say, remote viewing, Mm -hmm. right? The idea Mm -hmm. is that, well, if you have this astral image or if you have this astral second source of yourself, then if you can transport it out in such a Mm -hmm. way that it becomes real or it becomes so powerful that it feels real, who's to say it isn't real? And I mean, like...
1: So that's you projecting... Something from you that's exactly going into this astral plane.
0: The second one is you are having a conception, say, of an object. So, again, like a table, right? Mm -hmm. That conception of the table, then, it's kind of misty and maybe not perfect in your mind at first. But with enough concentration, with enough kind of mental power, you can Mm -hmm. start... You can make it real. You can feel the table in your mind. You can smell um, the wood that it's carved of. You can feel the softness of the of the carvings or whatever right okay okay and the third one though that which takes a form entirely its own these are the ones that come from say um extreme anger or extreme sadness or happiness or joy they're kind of like spontaneous emanations from a person and so Mm -hmm. these are the ones that they're talking about here but it's two and three that really can create what they would consider to be tulpas. They they don't talk about it a whole lot in the first book here on thought forms. They just mention that there's cases where people create astral images of other beings that they don't mean to, and that these are dangerous because they can, they really have a mind of their own. Once they're out of your control, they're out of your control.
1: Interesting. Okay. And they okay. go
0: into this more, and we're going to talk about another book in the next episode here. They go into this a little bit more in another book. Um, which is called uh, projection of the astral body, which really is where they get into tulpas, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. perfectly, but you can imagine here, right? So for Pokemon, for this concept of Pokemon, it's Tulpa form number two. That is the one of interest here. Thought form number two, right? So many people at once focusing on and creating the reality of these beings that didn't exist before. And then trying right. to, trying to push them more into reality. Okay, so Marie, Pokemon, mm-hmm. Pokemon, <laughs> Pokemon, right? Okay. The idea.
1: Oh, they're so cute.
0: The way, well, so the way, the way that we can look at, say, some of these ideas mm-hmm. with thought forms in terms of Pokemon. There's a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things I think about Pokemon really is that. So we never we talked about it a little bit in the beginning. How the hell do they fit into the Pokeballs, Marie? That's a good question. That's a good question. They go into the ether. So it's interesting. In Pokemon, they claim yeah. that it is mm-hmm. Pokemon's ability to shrink themselves down. Naturally, that allows them to go into Pokeballs. Hmm. So.
1: Originally we explored a lot when they're out of the balls, though, I've, I've seen them get bigger.
0: So it's but funny. It's, it's it's actually interesting, right? Because part of it is like a part of it is a very interesting way to part of it is kind of like a funny thing where it's like, well, oh, they could just get small. And it's like, oh great. Well that's, that's useful for the point of the game. Yeah, like that's uh pretty convenient. Yeah, right. Because in the game, in the game they kind of come out of uh they pop out of the grass out of nowhere. Right. And so Mm -hmm. initially the idea here was that they could shrink and then get back. Right. So they can um, Pokemon, all Pokemon can reduce their size to become really, really small. And so what a Mm Pokeball is doing is it's kind of forcing them to get really small into a contained area. Right. But that's that's a pretty weird thing. Right. Um, The idea, again, kind of of like capturing a physical thing and changing its properties, changing its shape and whatever, shrinking it down to exist in this like ether ball of magic, and then spreading, you know, sending it out again. That's very, it's I don't know, it's kind of mystical. I thought it was always kind of cool, but
1: yeah, yeah. And there's some that are too strong to be contained in yeah. certain
0: balls. Well, they they will not shrink, Damon Marie. They will they not will shrink. Not.
1: They won't be contained. They won't be. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Now. We don't think that the original idea for Pokemon came from Tulpas, right? Pokemon originally came from Satoshi Tajiri, loved collecting bugs as a kid. And so he thought, well, I'll make a game about collecting bugs. And it led to Pokemon. Kind of cute, right? it's cute. One of the interesting things that Pokemon does tie into, though, is the idea of like color and element and style. Giving some indication about the type of thing we're dealing with. Yes. So what do I mean by that? Yes. In Pokemon, if I tell you like, so Marie, you've played a little yes. bit of Pokemon games, right? Unfortunately. Okay. Yes. So if I tell yes. you the color red, what kind of Pokemon, what element do you think that, that Pokemon a, has? That's a fire Pokemon. It's fire, right? Blue that's is water, Pokemon. green is grass, yellow mm-hmm. is electric, right? These are concepts or kind of ideas that we all kind of get. And one argument would be that we're socialized to have them, right? I mean, that kind of makes some sense. But yes for theosophists what they would argue almost is that it's a natural inclination for us to link those elements to those colors and also certain physical like emotional states or physical manifestations. Mhm. Okay,
1: I'm with you. I'm it's with you. It's a very interesting crackings.
0: thing. All
1: right? But I I have so I have a counter or a
0: question. Sure.
1: So how does it fit with evolution then? Cuz they evolve Right? As you fight them and they get stronger, they evolve. But sometimes they don't evolve into what you think they're going to evolve into.
0: No, you, they never that's what do. I you, you always hope that the fire types will stay on all fours. But then they're like, no, it's another wrestler.
1: It's like, God damn it. It's another wrestler. Exactly. So that's what it's almost like you have sort of this weird quasi science thing happening with evolution in some ways. The one I never got was the carp. That like you would get the carp, and I'm like, why? You know, why is my oh, why is my daughter well, fighting the carp? Okay. And she's like, because when this thing levels up,
0: it's really it's unbeatable. It's and true. I'm like, it's very it's good. Just lying there. Well, so okay. So part of that is because that part of that is also just from like like mythology, right? The idea is that like a uh, the carp yes. that the carp that can't get above the um what's the word the carp that can't uh go up river but then the one that does becomes a, dra- a great dragon or whatever from like japanese mythology okay so that's um, so it
1: has that it that is good i did yeah, not there, i did not know there, that there are, there are mean, mystical guess...
0: connections in pokemon right like yes. like charmander right is a fire salamander that's a very like yes western um i don't even western that's just a very like witchy in all yes. cultures idea right that salamanders come from the fire because they you know whatever what I, I thought would be kind that. of fun, it's though, Marie. It's just a weird amalgam of all this stuff. It is a weird amalgam, but that's what makes it, like, turn into a tulpa. All right? So, I guess so. Marie, here's what I want to yeah. do. All right. I want to show you images from thought forms. And we're going to describe okay. them okay. to the listener. And then okay. I want you to try to guess what that image is showing. Now, okay. remember, the way that these images were created were they had uh, people in a room, a single mm-hmm. person in a room, imagining Mm -hmm. or trying to give off some emotion. They then had Mm -hmm. somebody who could see their aura, describe the aura to the person doing the drawing or the painting. And then Mm -hmm. that person tried to recreate that painting as best they could. Mm. All right. Now they're going to get, they're going to start off easy and then they're going to get pretty fucking hard. You ready? Wait,
1: you're going to describe something to me.
0: I'm going to show you the image on your computer.
1: Oh my god! All right. Well, let's first of all let's make sure I have that whole thing.
0: <laughs> and then we're going to describe it to <laughs> listeners. All right. All right. Marie, can you, you see the ready. screen?
1: Okay. Uh, well, wait. Just, what, one moment, please. Yes.
0: Okay. You can see this. Yes, I can. All right. So, listeners, this is kind of a um, uh, kind of a uh, an amorphous blob. Mm -hmm. it's it's pink or kind of rose in color Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is a little bit white but it's kind of got like dark splotches and we're going to post these on twitter too for people to go look at um it's on a black background but it's kind of a it's kind of like a cloud of pinkness all right
1: yes it looks like it looks like the um uh never mind (laughs) well i think i was gonna what is the festival where you throw um pigment at people
0: oh um oh my goodness holy right it's called holy looks yeah
1: yeah it looks like that it looks like somebody took a thing of pigment and just threw it onto a black uh like a pigment dust and just threw it onto a black uh background
0: well okay so marie what Mm. What do you think this is the thought form of? Like, what um, what is what is the person thinking uh, of? Is it what do you what do you get from this? What do you feel from this, Marie?
1: Uh, I don't even vibrancy, um, activity, life, life. Okay, all right,
0: all mm-hmm. right, all right. Mm-hmm. What is what what kind of feeling do you think the person's giving out? Is it like a good feeling, a positive feeling, a negative feeling? Do you think they're yeah, happy? Good they're good sad. Feeling. A good feeling? I I don't
1: think it's a bad feeling. I'm not getting a bad feeling from it.
0: Okay. All right. So, Marie, this one Mm -hmm. is vague, pure affection.
1: Aw. Sorry, that's like the seventh time on this episode I've made that noise. I'm not doing it again.
0: (laughs) What they say Um, here in the book, they say, an appearance by no means unlike the frequency, unlike this, frequently surrounds a gently purring cat and radiates slowly outward from the animal in a series of gradually enlarging concentric shells of rosy cloud.
1: Of rosy cloud. Isn't that interesting? That is sweet.
0: Okay, that Marie. Is sweet.
1: Okay. Next everybody. one. Next one.
0: Okay. It's a flying brain. So this actually, Boom. to me, okay. So yeah, this is a. It's mm-hmm. yellow in the center, and then it mm-hmm. seems to have wings of pink. Mm-hmm. So it's a yep. yellow ball almost with with pink, um, pink, you know, pink wings on the side. To me, yeah. well, so what do you get from this, Marie?
1: I would say it looks like a brain from above, like the human brain from above. And then, if you're viewing it from top down, and you're seeing the top of the brain, and then it has um, pink, like bird wings, coming out of either side. Okay. Yep. It's a flying brain.
0: It's a flying brain. Okay. Now, what feeling do you get from this, though? Because again, this is all about feelings, right? This is a lot like like people are witnessing or experiencing something that makes them radiate this aura
1: confusion. I'm going with confusion. You're the confusion. I'm going no inter- with confusion. interesting. What gonna, makes well, you I mean like what? I don't cuz it's a flying brain and it, I'm confused by why it would be, have wings, I think is <laughs> okay. so it, that's my reaction to it. But look, and let me let me just think about like all right, maybe swiftness of thought. <laughs>
0: swiftness of thought okay jumping now, to
1: conclusions okay i'm gonna tell
0: I mean, <laughs> right Conclusions, man. when i saw this first i thought of the golden snitch from harry potter
1: ah uh, see but then the, now we're getting into generational differences yeah. right see, Someone yeah. it's interesting right? someone like i was not a big fan or maybe just did not read those books or were too old you know like i was like oh those aren't but like so i never saw what that looked like until the movies
0: so it's funny so this is what the book says about this right so quote Mm-hmm. few thought forms are more beautiful and expressive than this which we see in figure 12 this is a thought of love and peace protection and benediction sent forth by one who has the power and has earned the right to bless so, so this okay, is peace and protection more.
1: okay because I have some questions about these all right like all right, all right, contextual
0: all right, all right. questions we're about good these. okay okay how about this one now this is 16 it,
1: it's an artichoke <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, it's an artichoke. That's what I got or to at first. So it crystal. is. A, so listeners, it's a. Bl- it's it looks a like kind of a blue artichoke.
1: Looks like a little bit like a blue, like a very cartoony blue artichoke. Yeah, sort
0: of. So what do you think?
1: Um, isolation. I'm going. It's cold. Isolation. It looks okay. like it could be crystals. I'm gonna say it's. Um, you know, it's like uh, loneliness or isolation.
0: Interesting. Okay, so this one is mm-hmm. self renunciation. Close. It okay. is so. So this is interesting, right? So what we're already seeing mm-hmm. here is that the colors that Marie you think you think of blue is cool and kind of icy and, and far away, mm-hmm. lonely, right?
1: Mm-hmm. For well, them, the shape looks like ice. Shapes looks like crystalline.
0: For them, blue is a color of religious Benedict. It's like religious fervor.
1: Mm. So if you have these, inc- I mean, I think that the interesting thing about this is how do, how, how, how does culture affect, you know, the changing oh, culture absolutely. affect sort of this idea, right? Like, so these ideas are supposed to be absolute, right? They are, you know, the blue is going to be, if you have a blue aura, it's a blue aura for everybody, right? Yeah. Um, regardless of your cultural beliefs, your historical beliefs, your religious beliefs. And I think that that's where you can't that's where this stuff falls apart. Is you um, don't have you don't have like I'm I'm going to argue that like if if um, you know but it blue to me I you know can can you say that blue in this day and age still represents re- like a religious
0: religiousness um, religious feeling
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Marie. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I don't know. It's interesting though. How I about don't this one? Know
1: if you, oh, um, so these are, or- right, these so are
0: orange to yellow snakes. <laughs> or squiggles. Yes,
1: squiggles, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They look like carrot shavings.
0: They do look like carrot shavings, dear listeners.
1: <laughs> uh, what is this telling... What am I getting from this? What am I feeling about this? What am I feeling about these carrot squiggles? A little hungry. Um, <laughs> you know, just again, like, kind of confused, maybe. Maybe it's like you- you're kind of like... Uh, you're kind of... Uh, or maybe creative. I'm going to go with, this is creative energy.
0: You know what's interesting? Forward so this one, energy. this mm-hmm. one is the intention to know something. So supposedly, oh. these are the kind of auras you give out when, when students are listening to a lecture. This is the aura mm-hmm. they give off. Okay, so we've learned. so we're, teachers
1: could see that more.
0: So we're learning things, right? So, so far we've learned huh? pink, pink is like a affection. It's positive. It's like mm-hmm. love. Yeah, mm-hmm. yellow is more kind of like intellectual or thinking, learning, knowledge. Mm-hmm. Blue is religious devotion. Or mm-hmm. as right, so we've learned a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's mm-hmm. try the next one.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm gonna say that's creativity, like the spark of creativity.
0: Creativity. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. This one is explosive anger. <laughs> Which which creativity is maybe an an angry, not an angry, but maybe a destructive thing it can be. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, so, but, so, all right, so you have this intent to know something, which are like these
0: orange squiggles. So no, intent to know is yellow, orange is pride.
1: Orange is pride. Okay, but again, again, there's, you know, kind of some cultural relevance to it, because I would never assume pride with, like, false pride with orange.
0: What, yeah, OK, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: I would say I would say it's it's like green, right? Like envy mm, again, okay. like sort sure, of sure. The uh, yeah, I don't know if I would say. Yeah. So anger red. I mean, like, you know, if you if you watched um uh, what's the movie? Come on, the Pixar movie. Oh, um, with the emotions. That was uh, really kind of good. I mean, like they had anger and anger had inside it, out. anger was orange inside out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: well, so, you know, but see, here's the thing, Marie. Did you write a book about your psychic powers? Because <laughs> no, if not, I don't want to hear it. I don't want whatever. I didn't. I ah! didn't hear a book about again, Marie. Okay.
1: <sighs>
0: We're only going to do a couple more. This one is kind of funny, I think, because it reminds me of Moon Knight shooting a moon, uh, whatever, <gasps> right? They're like, they're, yeah. they're moons. They're gray moons with some pink in there being like uh-huh. shot out as like Impressive. a laser beam. Like
1: crescent moons.
0: See, now things. this one doesn't make any damn sense, yeah. right? Because this one's this is clearly pink, right? It's not red; it's pink.
1: Um. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say it's definitely. It's hard to tell against the gray because the gray naturally will make you think it's lighter, but uh, that's
0: true. That's true. This is sudden fright. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting out moons. How about this one, Marie? Oh,
1: I don't like that one. That one's creepy.
0: Yeah, so this one, listeners, creepy. there's one that kind of looks like a saddle uh, and then a big or red sash. eye with a big, yeah. like a big, angry looking yeah. eye. This one is yeah. what hap- it's two people gambling against each other. The top guy is one and the bottom guy is lost.
1: Oh, I wouldn't have gotten
0: that. <laughs> I got one more. Fury. This one's so funny.
1: Oh, my God. OK, so again, it's a brain. I mean, yep. come on! You're looking at that, and it's a brain, right? So, what did Def we say a brain. yellow was again?
0: Yellow is intellect.
1: Yellow okay, um, but it has blue in it, so I'm going to say it is a nun, or it's a religious thing.
0: Okay, so listeners, this one looks like I'm a, like, none, like, a it looks big, like a habit. This looks like a big Easter egg in a kind of like a conical uh, bottom part. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. This one is the appreciation of a picture.
1: Or it's the appreciation of a picture. But come on, it looks like a nun's habit almost.
0: Now, why, why, were, these, uh, why were these so popular? Why, why did this book especially take off in the way it did? So this one here, Marie, the one that I'm showing you now, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is what uh, someone said they saw when they were listening to music by Wagner. Hmm. So they thought that okay. you could also do thought forms around music right that it was also like like the feelings mm-hmm. you got were important here. Mm-hmm. So let me show you here. So so listeners the mm-hmm. overall idea here. So this is this is the way that they said color kind of moved things around, all right? Right. So right. um a kind of a dark darker colors are worse. So so black is malice.
1: Again, cultural reference based on Absolutely. You know, colonialism, racism, well, it's interesting, right?
0: So so darkness, the more dark, right. the more darker color is, the worse it is, or the more kind of like, yeah, the Beluded. more malice or angry it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Brown, uh-huh. like a brown mm-hmm. gray is selfishness. So a dark uh-huh. red, a dark uh-huh. red is avarice uh-huh. or anger. Okay. A bright red is pure affection. All right, a pink is unselfish affection. Now, this is interesting. Green, Hmm. green Mm -hmm. is sympathy. But I would say, same with you, Mm -hmm. jealousy, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and if you applied these to any kind of cultural differences, even at the same time in the 1900s, 1901, you'd have a whole different set than. Absolutely. Then I'm assuming that this was UK or London or like, you know, what was this? This London. was London. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with, like, the height of the colonial empire, right? Uh, you know, that you're getting some uh, – uh, getting into um, – oh, my God, come on. Help me out here. My brain just got fried from that last one. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really um, messing you with know, The Industrial Revolution, in you're starting to, like – so it's it, – but it's sort of like all of those things have bearing on your your view on something. So it's yes. not – that's what's that's what's difficult for me to kind of divorce myself from and be like, oh, yeah, I can look at blue and, and like have this pure uh, objective, um, objective, almost like platonic uh, objective
0: view of it. Well, yeah, because, you know, that's the other thing, too, right? Like, like, mm-hmm. it's funny. I think it really matters. It really matters how you. It matters how you yourself. Make the connection, right? So for me, like mm-hmm. blue, I think of blue as a very calming color, right? Like I think of it mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. um like water, yeah. Mm-hmm. But my mom, yeah. I know my mom thinks of blue as the color of of death because in Italy, the flowers that were at the graveyard near her town were blue flowers. So it's <sighs> interesting right. it's cool. Well, it's interesting the way that these colors <laughs> change meaning, right? So for me, okay. Marie, green to you means jealousy because you're like a big Shakespeare stan, you know, which is fine, whatever. But for me, green is like like wind or like, I don't know, nature, nature right? It's yeah. it's grass, it's trees. It can it's, be
1: multiple things. Like, yeah. I think that's the other thing is like, I don't necessarily think that this encompasses is that you can, you can have multiple, um, multiple feelings or associations with a color. Yes. It can be, you can hold both in your head and have them be equal and know the difference and still have it be green. I would agree with you. Like green is 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 nature. You know, green is outside, green is um, you know, stuff like that. And green also can mean, you know, green with envy, you know, kind of more of the negative emotions. Just like blue, you know, there was a big thing, you know, back when I worked in um in uh like food service and working in in um, grocery stores, you didn't have a lot of signage that was blue because blue was not conducive to appetite. Like it's the color of rot or, Interesting. or not good. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's like you can have both of those things be true and, you know, live in your head without them canceling each other out, in my opinion. But here it's like it's an objective. There's one thing that that thing means, like that little puffy cloud that little puffy pink cloud is always a happy puffy pink cloud.
0: <laughs> now <laughs> yeah, right? sure. Boom. Summed now, it up, people. Yeah. It's interesting. The the idea of thought forms has mm-hmm. kind of fallen away. I mean, we still we still talk about it a little bit, right? And this idea that color and form are are more than just representations of the world around us. Right, like art, that art could be more than just representing the world, but could be representative, say, our mental state. That mm-hmm. it, it's still a very, mm-hmm. it's a fairly popular idea today, still. Yes. But what really came from this that I think is going to be the most interesting for our later series here are going to be the idea again of not only are your thoughts real enough to be photographed, but that they leave some physical imprint on the world around you. But that with enough practice, and this is what they'll get into in their next book that we'll talk about next time. With enough mm-hmm. practice, you can create your own thought form that can go out into the world and do things. And in that same way, someone who's not practiced or a group of people who's not practiced can mm-hmm. accidentally create something that gets mm-hmm. out of control.
1: Uh oh. Uh oh.
0: And that's what we're going to talk about next episode. <sighs>
1: Do you think it can go to Whole Foods for me, though?
0: I don't know. It, they never seem to do anything. <laughs> that <laughs> would got... really
1: be helpful. I'd really put my good energy, you know, my good pink cloud energy towards something that could do that for me. Well, it's super. Yeah, it's... <laughs>
0: God <damn>. All right. <laughs> Thank you again, dear listeners, for listening to the Mad Scientist Podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell, joined by my co-host, Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at themadscientistpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at MadScientistpod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram. And all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. We love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. Woo-hoo. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening.
1: (laughs) Thank you. This has been a Damn It Chippy production.
0: Hey Hey there.
1: I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey.